Tate Chronicles now transmitting. Welcome to the Tate Chronicles on Healthcare Now Radio. And now, here's your host, Jim Tate. Good day, citizens of the free world. From border to border, coast to coast, and to all the ships at sea, I bring you a warm welcome. This is your correspondent, Jim Tate, and thank you for tuning in to the Tate Chronicles. Join me as we cut through the fog that exists at the leading edge of healthcare delivery and technology. I'm really pleased my guest today is Stephen Boslovich. Uh, Dr. Boslovich is the CEO and co-founder of Patient Pattern. He's a board certified in internal medicine and geriatrics, in addition to being a certified medical director in long-term care. Uh, Stephen, welcome to the Tate Chronicles. Jim, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure being here today. You know, this is a, a topic that's really fascinating to me because it's, uh, y- you know, uh, the since the days of uh, Hippocrates, it's all been based on really delivering uh, health care to patients. And with uh, technology and, um, and, and other aspects that keep evolving, uh, the way that healthcare is is delivered, um, you know, we have to keep up with it. But uh, first, I'm curious, um, how did you get into healthcare generally and geriatrics specifically? Well, that's a bit of a, a, a longer story. I grew up in a household with uh, parent, grandparents who were geriatricians and mm. sort of always yeah. had an interest in, in medicine. Um, I unfortunately had a, a tragic uh, event in my life where I lost my mother and her brother, my uncle, within a three-day time span at the age of 15. And so I uh, took in my grandparents uh, from my mother's side into my life much closer than a typical teenager would, and you know, essentially grew up really appreciating the nuances and differences of you know, their values um, compared to those of adults, and really appreciated that. And I've always you know, had a respect for those that kind of made it to older age, uh, <laughs> realizing they, they've probably done something right in their life and, you know, deserve good care. Um, and, you know, aside from, from that personal experience, it's, it's a field that's relatively new. Uh, you know, it's less than a hundred years old, uh, as a specialty, um, it's, it's an area of great growth and interest and things are still very, uh, obscure for us as a, as a science. And so there's really a great deal of information we have yet to uh, to learn and understand about the aging process, how to, you know, improve uh, one's level of function and, you know, quality at that stage of, of life. You know, um, the whole uh, aspects of geriatric care, uh, uh, which is certainly a grown field because people live longer now. It's been a, a while since I've been directly in a, in a clinical environment, but uh, if uh, the longer people live, then uh, their decline or or chronic diseases uh, certainly accumulate, and, and so often they, um, when folks age, that uh, I guess that end of life process or decline of life process is extended. Uh, and so, as you say, it's kind of a relatively new, I guess, demographic for care, but but it's a growing one. Um, and I know that's kind of what you do at uh, Patient Pattern. 
What does patient pattern do and who are your customers? So, so patient pattern is a um, unified health platform that's designed to help organizations that take risk uh, on these high needs populations, typically geriatric populations that are either, you know, living in institutional settings or community settings. And, you know, we call aging in place. Uh, we, we now have a, uh, a dynamic in the market whereby either insurance plans, health systems, or provider groups, uh, like practice groups, are, are taking risk on these populations, and they need better tools to be able to identify that risk, focus on what's really <laughs> relevant um, for that individual you know, patient, or what, what sometimes referred to as a member of a health plan. And ultimately, uh, right now, though, those tools are lacking. They're kind of historically designed for either billing purposes or documentation purposes or really focus on a much uh, healthier population. And so Patient Pattern was created uh, for me as, as a medical director to help me do my job managing um, nursing home residents and helping to improve quality and has sort of evolved to um, helping you know the broader population. You, you mentioned um, aging in place. That's certainly what everybody uh, wants to do. I certainly want to do that. Um, and um, uh, you, you know, for folks to age in place, there has to be some type of um, data, or you know, or, or visits, or from a healthcare provider, or something to track how people are doing if somebody's in a nursing home there's people there kind of around the clock but uh um how is aging in place how, how do we track those folks they're trying to age in place maybe with a a um you know a, a chronic disease yeah you know i i i think that's obviously growing uh need the perspective that i share is a little bit different perhaps uh coming from a geriatric perspective um, in that it, you know, I, I focus uh, less on a disease per se, and more on the individual's um, impact of having a chronic mm -hmm. disease or multiple chronic conditions. Uh, so, for example, you know, if if you have three chronic conditions uh, in an individual patient, they may still be highly functional and independent, and you could have another patient with the same diagnoses but they can get out of bed and are fully dependent, right? And so the conditions themselves typically don't tell the full story. It's really identifying what we call deficits uh, in terms of functional, cognitive, or psychosocial domains of that individual and how those chronic conditions impact that individual across those domains is really the most important thing to look for. Uh, I kind of always remember my, my grandfather's uh, uh, saying to me, it was like, you know, if you wake up over the age of 50 and, and nothing hurts one day, you're probably dead, you know, and, and so, you know, what we look for is like, what what's wrong, um, you know, as, as a deficit and, and really focus on either reversing it if possible or stabilizing it to you know, maintain that level of function and avoid, you know, further decline and in institutionalization, which is really what aging in place is all about is trying to you know, not end up in a quote unquote nursing home, uh, but really try to maintain your independence. Yeah. 
And just uh, uh, getting a little more detail. So patient pattern, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but has a uh, is a software platform that's used during a uh, clinical encounter. Correct. Uh, so the uh, the software is used by uh, clinicians that are typically directly interacting with an individual patient. So they're um, everything, everybody from physicians. Um, advanced practice providers, such as nurse practitioners, physician assistants, care managers, uh, pharmacists as well. Um, so ultimately the entire interdisciplinary team can interact with patient pattern to understand what's happening with that individual, how they're trending over time, and then uh, do what is sort of what we call required work, which is documentation of, of that interaction, um, you know, identifying conditions and, and coding them properly, supporting that um, work with a plan and intervention and a care plan to either mitigate or, or, or stabilize those individual issues. When you use the phrase um, plan intervention, um, and so is there some type of predictive analysis that uh, that utilizes that data to say, uh, based on what we've known in the past about a group or about this individual, something needs to change in terms of their care plan to head off a problem. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, we, we've incorporated a predictive uh, models uh, mm -hmm. around a, a clinical mathematical model of uh, what is known as frailty. Mm -hmm. Frail, frailty is an internationally well-recognized, well-adapted model. It's the most predictive model for um, those with chronic conditions and uh, you know those of older age typically, but not limited to. It works for younger populations as well. And many countries have adopted a frailty-based approach to managing populations because it's uh, the best predictive model we have to understand, you know, who's at risk for future decline, kind of mm -hmm. what's around the corner. And the more frail an individual is mathematically, um, the more likely when they uh, experience an insult or stressor, irrespective of even a minor stressor mm -hmm. uh, versus a major stressor, like, uh, you know, a hospitalization or a surgery, um, they will have a, a much greater setback um and you know think of it as sort of like your your fuel tank if you if you don't have enough fuel to get over the hill you're probably not going to and so mm. the idea is that being able to measure that allows uh both the clinical team and the patient the family to sort of align expectations of what's to come and so you know particularly in individuals who have many deficits um and typically chronic illnesses um, they may be chronologically young, but physiologically very old. So, you know, sometimes you can have 50-year-olds that are, you know, physiologically equivalent to a 90-year-old. And you can have 70-year-olds that are equivalent to a 115-year-old mm -hmm. individual patient. But when you look at them, you know, it's very hard to sort of gauge that. So you really need to assess their degree of frailty. And so the, the platform helps um, the clinicians by gathering data to make those calculations and trend it over time. So you can kind of see if the patient's um, frailty scores and their sort of overall risk for bad outcomes is, is improving. 
um, where, or there it's declining and really identify, um, you know, whether the interventions and the care plans are working to, to help stabilize that individual patient and sort of using math as the basis uh, allows us to make better decisions than just our eyeballs, for example. Well, in, in earlier decisions, uh, we, we, we all know that you're quoting, your, I think your grandfather, I'll quote all the grandfathers and grandmothers who said a stitch in time saves nine. Um, wh what type of data uh, are we talking about? Is it data like a uh, if somebody is diabetic, their hemoglobin A1C values or blood pressure values, what, what types of data go into this frailty index? So what, what's really unique about the frailty model is its age, um, gender, diagnosis, and, and lab agnostic. Hmm. Uh, so it really looks at an individual's functional domains, um, psychosocial domains, and cognitive domains. So for example, if you think of everything that can go wrong with an individual in the course of their life, <laughs> uh, think about things like, you know, uh, visual impairment, hearing impairment, you know, depression, dementia, um, you know, balance impairment, incontinence, um, ability to digest food, ability to eat, ability to transfer out of bed or take a bath, um, you know, ambulation, you're going to come up with about uh, 50 to 60 different variables that can go wrong with an individual. And frailty looks at how many of those deficits in all those different areas have you accumulated over the total number of deficits possible. And that kind of creates your, your frailty index mm. and score. Um, and, and what's great about that is it doesn't really you know, matter what your hemoglobin A1C is. Oh, yeah. It's really the impact of that of everything going on in you know inside one system so more of a systemic impact uh on the individual and that that's what makes it very um uh you know impartial mm -hmm. to somebody's you know you know living situation their economic situation their uh you know gender their um your race so it really becomes kind of a, a leveler of a, mm -hmm. quality when you can look at an individual from a mathematical approach um, and, and really, you know, have a much better uh, assessment of, of where they're likely to go next. You know, this is fascinating to me. Um, I, I worked for years in a large pulmonary practice and we had all kind of sophisticated uh, pulmonary function tests and all kind of ways to uh, measure this or that. But the actual best test was what they call the six minute walk test. How far could somebody walk in six minutes? Mm -hmm. That told us, and that's kind of what, what you're talking about here, the actual functional status. Yeah. Um, well, this um, frailty index, is, uh, is, this, is this standardized? I mean, is everybody using the same uh, data inputs for this, or is it a nebulous concept, frailty index? Yeah, it, you know, it's funny you ask. Uh, in other countries, like particularly Canada, UK, all over Europe, Australia, Asia, it, it is standardized. Um, you know, based on you know their country sort of data sets. Um, in in the U.S., we're, we're you know we're far from sort of in agreement across the board. There are many frailty tools and models out there. Uh, some are are you know limited to the ability to 
uh, do a, 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 you know an evaluation only prospectively, meaning at the bedside. Mm-hmm. Others, the ones you know, we tend to use uh, and have a model are are you know uh, tools that we can also do retrospectively from existing data, which really gives us more of a historical perspective of how you got here, um, and that. In, you know, when you can automate that, you can save a lot of time. So, for example, as a as a geriatrician, it would take me two hours to do a frailty assessment on an individual patient from scratch. Uh, with our software approach, we can automate that almost. In, we can automate that almost entirely, mm-hmm. and frankly, uh, you know, save a lot of time. Or you know, take that assessment into a five to ten minute assessment. Uh, from a two-hour you know process, and so that kind of efficiency you can only really you know, garner from from a software uh, you know, approach. You know, um, the whole concept of in the uh, provider-patient reimbursement triangle. I guess there are some other points of the uh, uh, there, but. Um, I would imagine that early on, the frailty index uh, was, you know, the market for that was somewhat in the provider sphere. But as more and more uh, like Medicare and other ACOs uh, become at risk for, uh, you know, as far as payment models, those are the ones that are really interested in uh, tracking somebody's frailty index. Correct. And I I think that, the market dynamics that are evolving right now are, are quite mm-hmm. interesting. What we're seeing is number one, Medicare, Medicaid are, are financially defunct. And so mm-hmm. they're looking at ways to um, offload some of that financial risk downstream to downstream providers. So you're seeing new innovative models coming out of uh, CMS that are focused on, uh, you know, creating new organizations out of um, existing ones that would take on risk for a member population. And I think that kind of trend is going to increase. Those organizations that are now taking full global risk, you know, typically that means financial risk, have to have better tools to understand uh, what they're, you know, what they're assuming. And and frankly, right now, everything is is not designed for, for that purpose. Everything's kind of designed for a conveyor belt kind of fee-for-service model. You get paid for a service, whether it drives a better outcome or not. When you start taking on financial risk, you need to think about, you know, well, if we provide this you know, service, does it actually, besides increasing the cost, does it actually improve the outcomes? And uh, you know, does it avoid future costs mm-hmm. uh, for the individual, for example? And that really becomes more of a person-centered approach where, you start looking at things differently uh, because y- the ability to provide services is is not infinite. Uh, you have limited resources. You have to really think about how you utilize them appropriately, keeping patients' you know, wishes and and priorities uh, at, at the forefront, um, but ultimately having that kind of lens when you are managing a population and taking risk for a, a cohort um, it is really paramount because you can potentially make some money as an organization if you can manage that population well but you could also lose your shirt very quickly if you don't know what you're doing and you're just kind of taking the traditional approach to managing um, high mm-hmm. risk yeah um who, who are the customers 
for patient pattern who's using your application yeah we we've been growing uh fairly quickly um particularly in organizations that that do take risk uh organizations such as uh special special needs plans both institutional and and duals uh, those with uh, chronic illness um we're seeing a lot of growth in the pace market so program for all-inclusive care of the elderly that's a again a fully capitated model in a community setting taking risk for medicare medicaid patients um and then we are seeing a tremendous uh, you know interest uh and in growth across acos uh, particularly as the new aco reach model has created over 200 new organizations that are participating in this program starting january 1st of 2023 uh, and you know this whole concept of uh, uh frailty index and and using these predictive models um is this something that uh just maybe in the last few years has started gaining traction and are we kind of at the you know uh not only for geriatric uh, population but for but for um you know really for the all, all populations involved in healthcare, where we're it's kind of a hockey stick uh graph where as uh, uh clarification and 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 understanding of these uh different predictive models come into play it's going to really spread throughout healthcare yeah jim I, I think you have to consider you know what the historical uh tools that were available have been you know traditionally used so for example um what we typically have are, are claims um and and many organizations mm -hmm. have developed analytics around claims Mm -hmm. Claims are you know, are typically only as good as who's submitting them. Uh, the reason they're submitting particular diagnoses or claims is directly related to how they're getting reimbursed for whatever service they're providing. They're not necessarily comprehensive. And by the time they hit, uh, let's say, Medicare, for example, they could be six months to a year old uh, by the time anybody you know has, has the chance to work with that kind of data. And so, frankly, you know, when you're looking at a very large population with minimal chronic conditions and frailty, it, it's a decent, you know, way to risk stratify population. When you start managing high needs patients with potentially shorter life expectancies, uh, by the time you get those claims, the patient has, their condition has changed so much that they're not representative of what's happening at the bedside. Mm. Um, and so, you know, clinicians really need more timely, accurate tools and frailty is a really great one, not the only one, but a really great one that is evidence-based. It's trusted by clinicians, whereas claims are not for all the reasons I mentioned. And it gives you a, uh, you know, more real-time, uh, assessment of the individual and kind of what's around the corner versus a claims-based approach, which is kind of like driving forward, looking into the rear view mirror. And, and so, you know, tools like that are gonna need to continuously evolve. Um, that's not to say we, we don't have limitations and challenges of getting, you know, timely clinical data. Uh, that's a different conversation, but, mm -hmm. but that's, that's kind of where the market needs to evolve is providing more, you know, bedside tools at the point of care, rather than just focusing on back office analytics that never become actionable. Uh, sure. 
Um, uh, we're almost totally out of time, but before we say goodbye to our listeners, um, how can they find out uh, more information about patient pattern and what you're doing and what your services are? Sure. Uh, you, you know, feel free to visit us at patientpattern.com. We do have a fair amount of frailty literature and resources available for those that are interested in uh, learning more about frailty. We also offer a, a national frailty certification and training program through a partner. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that is also available if somebody wants to take an online course. And actually, uh, it's designed for interdisciplinary team members. So you know, definitely uh, consider us if you are looking to either participate in, an, in a risk-bearing model um, or are starting one yourselves. Uh, you know, we would be a, a great partner potentially for you. Well, uh, to our audience, thanks for joining me on this episode of the Take Chronicles. I offer a special salute to my guest today, Dr. Stephen Boslovich. Thanks for coming aboard today and introducing us to the Frailty Index. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me. You can find more information on this show's program page at healthcarenowradio.com. Until we meet again, here's wishing you smooth sailing and safe harbors. Tape Chronicles transmission ending now.